everybody. This is Diane and Langdon, and we are Diane and Langdon. This is the podcast where we review various media, beginning and continuing with the 2003 anime adaptation of Full Metal Alchemist. I'm Diane. I am an archaeologist in D.C. And I'm Langdon. I'm a comedian in D.C. Today we're going to look at episode 12 of Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, Other Brothers Elric Part 2. Yes. So... So far, just to jump in, um, Edward and Alphonse, they're brothers, they're alchemists, they attempted a human transmutation to bring their mom back to life. Yeah. And in the process, Edward lost an arm and a leg. And Alphonse so... lost his whole person. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but they found... Well, well, <laughs> they they don't really know where it is, do they? Um, no. But Alphonse is still alive. His soul has been bound to a suit of armor that they found in their dad's garage, basically. Yeah. Um, and, Literally. Yeah. And Edward now has a uh, an auto male arm and leg so like a very advanced steampunk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. prosthetic uh so th- so they're kind of okay mm-hmm. but they're on a quest to get their original bodies back and they're yes. looking into the philosopher's stone as a method to do that yes um edward is a state alchemist the full metal alchemist which means that he works for the military um and the military is also in charge of the country it is a stratocracy yes uh, he is the youngest state alchemist ever. He got his certification when he was 12. He's, He's now, now 15. 15. Those three years are a mystery to us. Mm-hmm. What happened in them could have been explained in flashback, but wasn't. Nope. Uh, theoretically, at this point, the boys are on their way to East City to check in with Roy Mustang, but they're taking their sweet time about it. They're kind of they're kind of making some stops along the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The stop that they're at currently is a town called Zenitime, which is where our last episode was set. They're following up on a hint they got that the Philosopher's Stone might be there. Yes, they got this from the Big Titty Bunny Girl. Upon arriving in Zenitime, they discovered that uh, someone else is using their names, basically saying they're the, the Elric brothers. And oh, no. when Edward and Alphonse say we're the Elric brothers, no one believes them, and they become uh, persona non grata in Zenitime. Uh, we learned that... We learned through the course of the episode that there are two other brothers named the Tringhams who are using their names. Yes. People in Zenitime are sick. Uh, we see them coughing all over the place, yeah. particularly one little girl named Elisa. Mm-hmm. Presumably because of this dangerous red water substance, which is something that can be refined into a red stone. Yes, which Edward read about in the Central Library in the research of Nash something or other. Mm-hmm. It's basically like a diet philosopher's stone. Yeah. The Tringhams are trying to make a redstone or a philosopher's stone. It's not really clear. It's unclear. Um, with a man named Mugwar. Yes. Russell's stated purpose is he doesn't want Mugwar to get credit for their dad's life work. Yes. Uh, the villain, who I don't even know if we have a name for at this point. We know who she is, but I don't think she's been given a name in the show. I, I do believe that at some point Father Cornello might call her lust. I don't think so. Or, I am like, I wrong about that? I really oh feel like we God. walked away from that episode without a name, but I but I don't know. Wait, I don't did, remember. did Gluttony not call her Lust before he ate Father Cornello? Did he not say, Lust, can I eat him? Maybe. To which Lust responds, no, you can't eat that. It'll hurt your tummy. Maybe. I don't know. Um, it doesn't really matter. We know what her name is, and since her cohorts are named after the Seven Deadly Sins, it's not really a huge leap. I don't think that she's sloth. Uh, uh, but lust is here and she wants mugwar to hurry up and finish the philosopher's stone yes Uh, a man in town named belcio says that mugwar has the people of zenitime wrapped around his finger um and where we're coming into the younger tringham brother his name is fletcher he was just doused with red water 
which is probably fatal based on how yes. it's been talked about. Yes, everyone um, basically says you touch it and you die. All right, so let's pick up with episode 12. Episode 12 picks up right where we left off. The four brothers are fighting. Fletcher is doused in red water, and the guards are coming in. And Edward encourages the Tringhams to confess their true identities. And Fletcher draws a transmutation circle on the door. Yeah, people carry chalk. Yes, people carry chalk around to draw transmutation circles. I think they should carry post-it notes with transmutation circles pre-drawn on them and just stick them on things that they need to transmute because it would save so much time. Yeah. That could also make Siren's, like, deck of playing cards. If, Re- much yeah, more what interesting. If, what if it was a bunch of transmutation circles? That would have been so much cooler. That would work, right? Yeah, that would work for me. No, I mean, that would work for Arkawa, right? Yeah, I think so. Because she's got the state alchemist. They have their transmutation circles sometimes tattooed on them. Mustang has them on his gloves. Um, Armstrong has yeah, them on the, his little gauntlets. Like the, ta- the tattoo isn't selling me, but the gloves sell me. Yeah, so you can have it. If it's just like handily available and you can touch it, you're good to go. Um, but anyways, uh, Fletcher, Fletcher makes a tree. Right, so he, I guess he turned... But we don't see what he makes it out of. But he, he's covered in this red water stuff, which is supposed to subvert the laws of alchemy anyway. So I'm going to give it a pass. Okay. Well, you can't give everything a pass. We kind of have to at this point. Um, but he encourages Edward and Alphonse to run away. Uh, and he say, he basically says, I'm going to make everything okay. I'll explain everything and we'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, they do run away. Yes. Tell us how they run away, Langdon. Um, we cut to outside and we see this window looking into the lab. Mm-hmm. And then Edward cannonballs through the window. <laughs> which Which is fucking cool. Like... For a guy like me, no, that's it's a, not. yes, it is. That's so, so cool. Because he like jumps Alphonse through the window comes after and then Alphonse him. Jumps, and then Alphonse should have gone through zip out first of the garden. because Alphonse is bigger, has a body more suitable to busting glass, <laughs> and cannot be hurt. And can't be hurt. Better yet, they could have shoved Edward inside of Alphonse and had Alphonse run through the window. They don't have time for that, but I understand the sentiment. Um, but. More, I just more want, so. I just even, want somebody to be inside of Alphonse. More so even than the issue with Alphonse, alchemy exists. Yeah. Why did they break Mugwar's window? I don't know. I don't know. Because now they know that someone was in there. Yep. Um, and Fletcher, he looks okay. He's meaning he's not dead, even though based on what they said about the red water, he absolutely should be. Uh, and he turns to Russell, and he delivers this heartbreaking line. Yeah. And we get our opening credits. Uh, which, which is, it's almost the last time with it. I think, I think it might it be the more. last time. Really? One more time? I, I feel like it, but I'm not sure. Oh my god, and we forgot to mention last time. Guys, you'll never guess what's here in Zeno time. Oh yes. <laughs> mountains oh my god we found the mountain maybe we found the mountains the thing is it's really unclear because the mountains in the opening credits are super arid there's no vegetation at all like not even scrub brush uh, but in Zenitime, they're actually pretty lush but our point is there are some mountains here that's also where before there were none two episodes with mountains three if you count the train episode and 12 episodes of this intro. Oh my god. So, uh... That's a lot. In Mugwar's mansion, after the opening credits, Russell 
removes the red water from Fletcher using alchemy. So, so anyway, there go the stakes. So Fletcher's fine. Fuck you. I... Uh, the guards appear and they're like, what's going on in here? And Mugwar's there as well. Mugwar is happy with the, the redstone that Russell's made so far, which is about the size of a ping pong ball. Yeah. But he says that they need to be moving faster and he encourages Russell to start using the other method. And we can tell from Russell's reaction that he really doesn't he's, want he's to do that. He's not thrilled. Yeah. Um, I guess responding to that, Mugwar pulls out a gun. Mm-hmm. An alchemy gun. Powered alchemy by redstone. Gun. And he uses the gun to <laughs> tie up the Tringhams. So it doesn't look like a gun, though. It looks like a deep sea diver's lantern from the turn yeah. of the century with, like, a barrel attached to yeah, it. It's like a super soaker. Uh, yes. <laughs> Or it looks like uh, yeah. it looks like Flood from Mario Sunshine, like just oh, the head of Flood. Kind of, yeah, I can see that. Um, but it's got a little <laughs> port where he can put in redstone, yeah, because uh, it's powered with redstone or red water or something. Yeah. Um, and he says that even without being an alchemist, I can do alchemy, basically. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. We'll talk. Excuse me. We will. We will. We will talk about that one. We will talk about it. Yes. Back at Belcio's house. Edward and Alphonse, they try to sneak in, but Belcio's awake and he confronts them like a, like a, like a dad, kind of. Um, yeah. uh, Elisa's <laughs> also here. She's staying the night. Her cough is getting worse. It's getting pretty bad. She's looking rough. We do a quick little time skip. Uh, so now everybody's in the living room, uh, except for Elisa. She's still asleep. And the boys have told Belcio about the redstone. And he says, oh yeah, that sounds like what Nash was working on. And Edward's like, Nash? You mean Nash Tringham? So he very conveniently... Uh, just now remembers who Nash something or other was. Right, even though last episode he had no idea. Then we get our Nash back. Um, <laughs> which is Belcio kind of telling the story of Nash Tringham. <laughs> uh, Nash Tringham was an alchemist who... And, and the discoverer of the red water. Discoverer. And he had gone to Central to study it. And after some time in Central, he returned to Zenitime. Uh, but he was despondent when he got back. He he kind of sat down with Belcio and was like, I'm, I'm done with the red water. I'm never going to study it again. He says that he's a failure as a father and a husband, and he will not tell Belcio what happened while he was in Central. Enter Mugwar. Mugwar basically comes to Nash and says, look, the town is dying. The only way this gold mine is going to be revitalized is if you use the red water to make a red stone to create more gold. Yeah. I don't know why they would need to mine this gold if he can just make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but basically he says, help us, Nash Tringham, you're our only hope. And after a while, uh, not really a while, not really that long at all, for someone who came in saying, I'll never study it again, he takes up pretty quick. Yep. Uh, he goes into the mine and he's, he basically disappears to study the red water. And it works. The gold economy thrives. The town thrives. But at the same time, a sickness appears that it kills many, many babies. A lot of babies. Mm-hmm. And Elisa was born at that time. Yes, but instead of dying, she is actually saved because a traveling doctor stops mm-hmm. by their town, a man by the name of Dr. Marco, um, and he deduces that this illness is from the red water, and then he, he heals Elisa using and alchemy. It looks like alchemy. We don't know for sure, but he, he pulls yes. something out he pulls something out of his bag uncaps it and we see that alchemy light so it's definitely alchemy yes. um, but we don't know exactly what he does yet around this time belcio confronts nash about the red water causing this illness yes that's uh, that's the deduction that he's made 
And when he finds Nash, he's like, what's going on? And Nash says, you know what? I'm done with it. I'm going to end it all. And then he walks away. And Belcio does nothing. Dear <laughs> listeners, if a friend of yours says they're going to end it all, please do not let them walk away. Slowly. Please say something. Do Tackle anything. Them. Physically Do restrain anything. them. I don't care. <laughs> it, j- Some friend is, is, my, <laughs> is, is my review of Belcio. Oh my gosh. Um, but after this flashback, we get into this Nashback, excuse me. Um, we have a scene in Belcio's orchard where Edward yeah. is lounging in a tree and Alphonse is standing on the ground. <laughs> and um, they talk about the Tringhams and yep. Alphonse expresses empathy. Basically, basically, the gist of the conversation is Edward's still upset that they're following in their father's footsteps, which, again, look... Not an seems, objective problem. That seems more like an issue with you, Edward. But Alphonse kind of calls him out on that. Alphonse actually says something along the lines of, we're kind of doing the same thing. I assume he means more... Like, we're letting what happened to our mom hang us up. Yeah, I guess. Uh, it, it's not really clear, and I wonder I wonder often how much anime suffers through translation. A, a, a lot. The answer is a lot. Um, so I wonder if there's more to it. Um, but I actually, I thought it would be interesting if they used... Because they, they illustrate the lemons really nicely every time they show them. And if they'd used the lemons, if they were, like, being affected by the red water... And they used it as like an image for the Tringos. I don't know. They could have done something with the lemons. You really wanted a motif. You really tried to write (laughs) something about a motif at the end of this episode. Yeah, but then I realized that asking this writing team to To, understand motif. The the concept of a motif is a lot. Yeah, I think breastbone tattoos are a motif in O3 Full Metal. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Anyways, we go back to Mugwar's mansion. Uh... In the dungeon part of the mansion, which if your mansion doesn't have this, get out. Scrub. Uh, The Tringums are in a cell because they wouldn't use the other method that Mugwar prescribed. Fletcher's like, what do you mean? What other method is he talking about, brother? And Mugwar explains. The other method is to have a pregnant woman drink the red water. And then harvest the placenta at the right time. I think this is another case where the translation's a little wonky. Because it's not really clear if he's like harvest the placenta or harvest the baby. But I'm going to go with placenta because that's the only one that's explicitly given in the subtitles. It's, it's, it's placenta. It's basically the afterbirth. I, I'm not sure. And we'll talk about it at the end when we talk about the redstone. Because I'm not okay. sure. I'm not sure. But what I'm, what I'm imagining is... So if you if you fuck with the placenta before a baby's born, and this is part yeah. of why like genetic testing on babies is so difficult and just not done. Because if you fuck with the placenta before a baby is born, it will seriously harm the fetal development. And so it could be harvesting, like fucking with the placenta and basically inducing... Yeah labor too early in order to harvest placenta at a specific time so i'm i'm willing to buy it because it will still it's it's still fucked so that is the other method to get the placenta or the baby or something uh mugwar says that the tringums are cowards just like their father um and russell's like wait did my dad use the other method and mugwar's like no he chickened out so i killed him (laughs) Um, uh Great Mugwar program. from here goes to the wine fountain where he meets with Lust. Yes. Um, again, he wears a mask. She does not. He assures her that everything is fine. 
He just needs to get the real Elric brothers into his laboratory, and then everything will fall back into place. Lust very smartly says she doubts that it will be that simple, considering people are people and have their own thoughts and feelings and opinions. Um, But she gives Mugwar the blessing to continue. And then she says something interesting. She says that Xenotime's time is almost up. Whatever that means. Right. So that is the cliffhanger that takes us to our commercial break. Yep. Coming back from the break, Mugwar has gotten the other, the real brothers, Elric, yeah. into the lab. Yeah. And he wants them to take over the research, like he, like he explained. He knows that Edward is looking for a philosopher's stone, and he kind of waves this red stone in front of him. He's like, what about this? And Edward's like, oh, where are the Tringums? And Mugwar's like, oh, they're in the basement. <laughs> Edward then shatters the red stone. He says he's not interested in some unfinished gem. Yep. And before he continues with the research, he wants to make sure he executes the prisoners for this yep. horrible disrespect. Yes. And then he there's this beat where he looks at Mugwar and he, he kind of like side-eyes him and has this big grin. He's like, yo, wanna come watch? Yeah. And it's, it's supposed to be a comedy beat, right? He's trying to like scare him. But, but Edward's not scary. He's <laughs> very small. <laughs> but Mugwar like... Is intimidated out of it. So intimidated that he doesn't go down with Edward to the dungeon. We will talk about that. That's pretty convenient. We'll talk about that because that's convenient as hell. But let's keep going with this plot. (laughs) Did you just put plot in air quotes? Uh, Should I? No. (laughs) Back in the dungeon, Edward goes down. the, The Elrics go down to the Tringhams. And Edward confronts Russell about the sickness that the red water appears to be causing in the town. And he basically says, give up on your dad's research, you stupid dad-following piece of human garbage. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that wrong? No. Um, Russell says like he feels like it's his duty to carry on Nash's research, and Edward grabs him by the collar and slaps him several times. That doesn't happen. That does not happen. I, it basically does. But he, he tells him, move forward, like, Forget about the past and get on with your life. Echoing what Roy Mustang said, uh, what, in episode seven or eight? Something like that. But also what Edward said to Rosé in episode two, which, timeline-wise, he would have heard after Roy Mustang said it to him in episode seven. So we're going to talk about following in Hero's footsteps. Yeah. (laughs) Your whole philosophy's borrowed from... Roy Mustang. Yeah. Your adopted dad. Um, But after this heart to heart, Edward frees the Tringhams and the the gang separates. Yep. Back in the lab, Edward and Alphonse come upstairs, I guess like, well, it's done. Um, And they confront Mugwar about Nash Tringham. Mugwar, basically, it's basically the same thing as Show Tucker, where he's like, I hate perceptive brats like you. Yeah, um, I would have gotten away with it too yeah, exactly. if we're being meddling kids. Um, and he pulls out his alchemy gun, and he has a bunch of redstone dust to fuel the gun, mm-hmm. which he brilliantly uses as a gun. Wow! Um, and he shoots originality. Them. Yeah, but he transforms it into like six guns. Well, yeah. he transforms it into a gun with like twenty barrels. In mm-hmm. varying sizes and lengths. And they shoot... I don't think they shoot bullets. I think they shoot it's, little... En- because there, because there's a, something he does later wouldn't make sense if they were shooting bullets. I don't trust this writing team to understand how bullets work. Or how guns work. Because Arakawa would be like, if you use alchemy to make a gun, it's it a has gun. to be a gun and it has to work. 
Yeah. Versus here, you can just do whatever you want, which yeah, we'll whatever. talk about. But which I feel like we talk about. I, 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 basically he uses it as a fuel to shoot the gun, and the gun starts shooting, and the boys dive into the line of fire in order to make their way around a pillar to hide behind. So they first, yeah. the line, the fire is aiming at the pillar. Yeah. They cross in front of the pillar and then go behind it. They do, they move in a giant V shape. It's the worst blocking I've ever seen animated in my <laughs> life. I'm so, I am so pissed about it. But like, whatever, they hide behind a pillar. Let's find Bones' number and call them and tell them how little we like their show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mugwar is undeterred. He's going to keep shooting at him. But suddenly he gets wrapped up in vines. Yes. And we follow the vines and we see that the Tringhams have transmuted a little a little sapling, I guess, into these vines. So they've used their plant alchemy. To... <laughs> then, what are you laughing just at? Keep going, just keep going already. Uh, and so with... <laughs> oh. <laughs> with Mugwar securely bound... Edward and Al scream now and then they shove the pillar they've been hiding behind which has been weakened by gunfire and it falls on top of mugwar ostensibly fucking murdering him i, I can't picture him Alchemy getting out of it causes problems and violence <laughs> solves them. that's like the number one or number two rule that's of the main show. theme that's, of the show yes. right now <laughs> um the dust settles and we- <laughs> such a weird fucking show we get this shot of russell's yeah <laughs> immediately after the dust settles and we get this weird shot of russell where the, he has like twice as many frames as the show like normally 120 frames per second yeah, like noticeably more frames like you can tell when animation is like a lot smoother yeah and just he has so many <laughs> I, 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 they really love him. I know. I'm sure people listen to this sometimes. Well, if anybody listens to it. But eh. maybe people listen to it. But if they're not watching the show along with it, I'm sure they're like, they're exaggerating. No. Go watch it. <laughs> he has so many more frames. It's absurd. Um, oh my goodness. And he declares that the Tringhams have given up on following their dad. Thank goodness. Um <laughs> But no sooner does he reveal this than, than we realize that Mugwar has escaped through a hole in the floor underneath the pillar. That's that, awful convenient. You know, wow. <laughs> uh, the boys jump into the... T- well, we don't see it happen. The next thing we see is the boys running down a mine shaft. Which, to me, I kind of wonder a lot of times if the problems with this show are scheduling-wise. Like, I wonder... You know how Star Wars Episode Nine was, like, still being written while they were filming it. Yeah. But but the reason I bring up a production process like that is because, first of all, the, this show is just clunky as fuck all over yeah. the place. Yeah. And given time, because we watch it a couple times, mm-hmm. and we're like, here's how you can fix a bunch of these problems. You did a rewrite of several episodes that yes. we talked about. Yes. Um, we're planning or a, re- a restructuring of several episodes that we talked about. The, and this is this is just a clue to me. Maybe, maybe I'm really reaching and maybe there's no connection to it at all. But the boys are running through a mine shaft. Zanatime is a mining town. But we see this hole open in the floor of Mugwar's mansion. Mm-hmm. Which, yes, is connected to the fountain, but through like a sewer. 
So I kind of wonder if they were animating this scene, because they all have masks on now, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they all have their, their N95 masks. So I wonder if this scene was animated before they knew really how they got there, mm-hmm. is kind of my point with it. I don't, I don't know. It, it feels weird to me. As they're running through the mineshaft, Mugwar has blocked the way with a stone wall. Oh, no. Oh, gosh, that's awful. I really... God damn it. If only one of them had, like, an ability that would let them get through that stone wall. I'll do you one better. All four of them have that ability. Oh, my God. (laughs) But all four of them fucking stop and stare at it like, what are we going to do? I'm pretty sure someone's like, he's blocked the way. Like, Like, that's a fucking problem at all. It's not with it's, alchemy. It's not. But they, they acknowledge that it's a problem. And then Edward claps and makes the wall go away. Right. But behind the wall is Mugwar. And he has a cannon this time. Because he's defending the wine fountain. Yes. And he says that he's not afraid of a state alchemist. And Edward says, now you've said it, Mugwar. Don't mock the state alchemists. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Now, well, please, this please. doesn't really make a lot of sense because no. Edward, and, and even in Lior, Edward's like, I don't fucking care about the state alchemists. Yep. I, I could give a shit about the military or the government. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for the money. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and I think it could be a translation thing. He could, because the way it, the way the subtitles do it makes it the state alchemist. Like yes, you say, but it don't mock the could, institution of the state alchemists. But because of, of how we're translating, it could also be like, don't mock this state alchemist. Don't mock a state alchemist. Right. There are multiple ways that this could have been translated. But the translation much, they chose, I wouldn't have chosen. But how, yeah, how much better would it be? It, well, it, I, and it's not even a translation thing. How much better would it be if he was just like, I'm like... I'm not just a state alchemist. I'm Edward fucking Elric, yeah. the full metal alchemist. Get fucked. Yeah. yeah. Like, what am I great? dude, come on. But anyway, Mugwar shoots uh, his his cannon, mm-hmm. um, and Edward repairs the wall. Yep. And this is which... why I don't think that they're actual, like, physical bullets Because or that would not work. You couldn't, like, like, the thing about cannonballs is they don't explode on impact. They literally are just giant balls, balls of yeah. lead that fly through shit and will just rip your head off. Did you they ever are see, terrifying. Did you ever see that Mel Gibson movie, The, uh, the Patriot? I the think Patriot, yeah. where it rips a guy's leg off? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so, I'm, okay, you know. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's dead ass. It'll rip a person in half. It'll yeah. just go. They're terrifying. Yeah, but Edward repairs the wall. They all stand behind it, and they're fine. Now, this, <laughs> this charge, I guess, rebounds. Oh, no. Because immediately after this goes off, the whole, like, mountain... She's gonna blow, is, is what we wrote for it. Like, the whole mountain is about to collapse. The whole mining system is, yes. like, compromised. And Mowar is like, I'm not gonna give up this fountain. He starts climbing up it to try to protect his fountain. Mm-hmm. As the, yeah. uh, the, the roof caves in, and it's all very Cersei and Jamie Lannister from the final season of Game of Thrones. You know, when they're, like, in the crypts, and, and Cersei looks up, she's like, no, not like this. And then the the ceiling just caves in on them and is like literally the most anticlimactic death. And I'm sitting there watching it like, yeah, same bitch, not like this, please. I think that's your biggest failing as a best friend and roommate is not not forcing me to watch Game of Thrones. Because I felt very out of the loop for like three years. (laughs) (laughs) Just as it started going downhill? No, I guess, yeah. Because when it was really, really big and everybody was watching it, I would definitely like... 
I, I really my my only knowledge of it was through memes. Oh no. And like the really egregious things, people were like, "Yeah, so that was fucking stupid." And I was like, "Yeah, I feel that," but I really didn't feel it because I wasn't paying attention. All right, <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna. <laughs> where were we? Uh, so anyways, the... the all four boys get out of the mountain. They all escape. And Edward builds some walls in the tunnel to buy them some time. Cause, because what's happening is the red water is now, like, out of control. Yeah, and, and the broken. water yeah. is rushing and flooding. You've seen the Titanic when they're all, like, trying to close the walls. Outside, we, I think they think the masks are gone. Uh, we see that red water is now, like, seeping out all over the mountain. Like, the whole system's destroyed. And it's just coming out of every crack and pore in this yes. big mountain. Every orifice. Edward raised... I'm going <laughs> to ignore that. Edward raises these big stone walls to form like a basin around the mountain, like mm-hmm. massive cataclysmic terraforming. Yeah. Not something he should be able to just do without consequences. Yeah. But this is okay. He should be exhausted. Yeah. And the red water starts filling up the basin. It actually fills it up very, very quickly. Yes. Um, and they're worried that it's gonna wipe it's, out the it's, whole town. It's like Vesuvius erupting. Mm-hmm. It's it's flowing. Fletcher does alchemy on a he draws a circle on a nearby tree and does some alchemy on it <sighs> yeah yeah you know like i feel like this happens almost every episode where we're like reading through it and then we hit that certain point where it's just like why why are we doing why are we here um fletcher <sighs> fletcher goes up to a tree and he draws a transmutation circle in chalk and then he very reverently leans his forehead against the transmutation circle, which activates and causes the trees to up the red water. And the trees turn red. They they turn red. Somebody, I, I, think, it's, it's I think it's Edward, says, apparently, well, he explains that apparently this is what the dying plants that we saw in... Uh, Mugwar's lab. Apparently, this is what they were doing. They were absorbing the red water in order to detoxify it. I literally just thought that, like, you know how some plants are just red, like, like some yeah. succulents are just red in yeah. color. I dead ass thought that that's all it was. Well, I didn't know. I didn't think that because there's one plant that's like kind of green, but you see it. Like but it's got dead on. It's browning dying. and dying. Yeah, no. So, so there's like one plant that is literally dying. One that's just got red leaves, and I was just like, oh, it's just a red maybe, succulent. Whatever. Maybe that's why the lemons are unaffected. Why? Because because plants aren't affected by the red water. Apparently, they can absorb it and detoxify. But that I, one I plant was dying. Well, that, but that's kind of my point. But like, then there's what? no reason for what happens next because. After this, Russell places his hand over Fletcher's, mm-hmm. and Fletcher goes, Nisa. Yeah. And then the trees, of all the red water, we yeah. see this bowl that Edward has made drain. Yeah. Fletcher apologizes to the oh, tree, fuck. and then they do another transmutation that turns the trees blue. For a second. And then the trees explode. And I'm not exaggerating. They just dead ass explode into a bunch of blue fucking confetti. I don't even really know what else to say about it. It's, I mean, everybody... It's abhorrent. Everyone smiles, except for Alphonse, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> the note we have is everyone smiles, but I realize now that that's not well, true or possible. Well, because Alphonse doesn't feel emotions. Oh, yeah. 
the point is the day is saved and they kind of look out over the horizon we see this blue confetti floating everywhere they look out over Zenitime. the walls that edward made they do not retract into the ground they melt like they're a top layer in photoshop and someone just wiped an eraser tool down them mm-hmm. it looks bad mm-hmm. is my point and we cut from here to the train station yep. of Zenitime. yep elisa and the uh and the tringhams are here to wish Edward and Alphonse goodbye. Don't know where Belcio is. Nope. Like I said before, some friend. Yep. Uh, Elisa gives the Elric some lemons from Belcio. Yes. The Tringhams have decided that they're going to stay in Zenitime, and Russell asks if Edward is still going to pursue the Philosopher's Stone. Of course he is. And then he asks Edward, do you want to know how to condense a redstone? And he gets very serious. He's, he's like, I, I'm not like giving this to you as like a pittance or an apology or anything. But I really, I, I think you should know. I, he says, I, it's just that I think you should know. Mm-hmm. And he's very serious about it. <sighs> Edward says, we don't need that stuff. We'll figure it out on our own. Motherfucker, this is how knowledge is exchanged. <laughs> yeah, Russell is the expert right now yeah. on this. He's the person <laughs> who can tell you this. Yeah, I don't think, I, I, I don't know what Edward thinks he's doing when he reads a fucking book what kind of power play is this if i was like if i was like hey diane yeah i need to tell you where babies come from and it's not like i don't like i just think you should know okay right you're not gonna be like i'll figure it out like whatever dude yeah he's he's very serious about this and edward's like "Eh, whatever Whatever. i I don't get it Um, the scene ends with elisa making some crack about edward's height (laughs) and even strange stranger He's totally fine with it. I've never seen him yeah. make that discernment between a child and not a child. Yeah. Cracking about his height. He gets mad no matter what. Yeah. Um, it was the worst. On the train, the boys are out of Zenitime. I guess now they're on their way to East City, unless they hear another hint. <laughs> um, and we see that there's a letter inside this basket of lemons. Yeah. Edward reads the letter and he gets, he looks embarrassed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He looks, yeah, he does look very embarrassed and he, he, he like crunches up in the corner hides to hide it, it from Alphonse yeah. and Alphonse is like, Edward, let me see it. And Edward is, is protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they get into some kind of scuffle. Uh, presumably Alphonse gets the letter, but it is narrated for us over some, some parting shots of Zenitime and the Tringhams yes. and the Lemon Farm. Yes. It's a um, standard Dana letter. It's just, hey, wow, you really did a cool thing. I really look up to you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it reveals some interesting information, which is that Russell is actually younger than Edward. A year younger. He's 14. So why is Edward so... I don't get... I don't know. I, Especially... I, I, I don't well, know. It's, it's I don't because know. it's because Russell is younger than him, but also taller than him. And Edward actually says, how could he be younger than me, but taller than I am? But he got mad... At Alphonse, when Alphonse is like, do you think he's older than you are? So what does he want? I don't know. I don't know what Edward wants, Langdon. I don't know anything. Um, but that takes us to our credits. So Oof. that's it. That's it. That is uh, that is the other brother's Elric, also called The Land of Sand, after the light novel that yep, it was based on. That was, that was it. So, Diane, what did you like about this episode? Pass. Wow. Rough. Um, <laughs> oh. And it's interesting that you say that because I, I kind of, I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. It, there's not, and 
Yeah. One of the biggest issues with the episode is it just kind of happens to you. Mm. And we talked uh, last episode about how we didn't really know, walking out of last episode, what our central dramatic question for this arc was. And even here, I don't really, like, this doesn't feel like the Elric's story. It doesn't even feel yeah. like a relevant story at all. No, it, it honestly just feels like the story happens to the Elrics and yeah. to us as yeah. the audience. Nothing important happens. And, like, yeah. n- nothing... At no point could the events that transpire... I, I don't know. I guess... I'm like, nothing... I, I don't know why they're here. I don't know what this story does for us narratively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think there are a few elements that we need to talk about, and we have them all in our notes. <gasps> we um, do. Note number one, the Tringhams. All right. I, I like the Tringhams. I think that they're very cool. Yep. Um, I would be happy to see them used more if okay. that happens, but I don't know. Um, okay. I actually do know they come back later. Oh my God, you spoiled it? Um, I, looked at, I went to look up something about Russell, and I accidentally saw that they're in another episode later, but I don't know very much more than that, because um, I, I, I'm pretty good when I see spoilers. I stop. Um, okay. But I did spoil too many bullets of other shows for myself this way by being like, what is that character about? Anyways. Um, but the Tringham family, because we meet their dad, Nash, this episode through flashback. Mm-hmm. And Nash at one point says that he is a failure as a husband and a father. Mm-hmm. Where is wife? Where are babies? Where are the boys as babies? Presumably in Central. So you think that he went to Central to study the Red Water, met this woman... Had these babies and then was like, no, actually, fuck this. I and then he came he back to Zenitime without them. He must have, I guess. The other solution being that he has a wife and children in Zenitime that move back with him. If that's the case. Well, well, either way, honestly, why do the Tringlums need the Elric's identity at all? Because Nash is the expert on red water. They're Nash's sons. Which I understand doesn't have any inherent merit. But Mugwar knows who Nash is. And they should be able to go to Mugwar and be like, Hey, we're also alchemists. We kn- we're very familiar with our dad's research. Can we help you? They wouldn't have needed to pretend to be the Elrics at all. That's a good point, actually. And then the whole episode could have just not happened. No, just, just going nice. and saying like, Hey, we're his sons. We know his research. is should, should be enough. I would have thought so. Why not? Um, more problems. In the form of character bullets. Lust. Oh, yes. Why is she here? I don't know. She doesn't do anything. I, right. Okay, so. And that, did, she, did she get out of the mountain or do you think she got crushed? I think she made it out. Um, she's slippery. But the thing is the homunculi, they, they should know how to make a philosopher's stone. Because they gave one to Father Cornello. Are we supposed to believe that's the only one they had? It'd be pretty stupid of them to give it to Father Cornello if it was. Um, right, right. But, but, but why? Why then do they need the redstone? I, I don't know. know. Plus, Plus, yeah, I think we just thought the same thing because for our manga readers out there, all of the homunculi have a philosopher's stone inside of them. It's really so. cute that you think that that's going to be the case in this. <laughs> Is anything going to be the case? In this? <laughs> why, like, but like, 
here's the thing. We we told y'all last episode that a philosopher's stone is made from human souls. They they have yes. been making them with prisoners. So like, what is the problem? Yeah. Why do they need the red water? Is Amestris not arresting enough people recently? <laughs> it's a fucking stratocracy. Yeah. Pass a law. Yeah. Just make a law happen. If I were running a stratocracy in which I needed to consume human beings in order to make like some sort of fucking science experiment, I'd just make something illegal. I'd make hamburgers illegal. And then everybody who ate a hamburger, I'd just round them up yeah. and turn them into a philosopher's stone. But that, I mean, it would be that simple. But that's exactly what happens with Ishval and the Ishval and Massacre in Full Moon. No, they just wipe them out. It's completely different. But the, my big problem with Lust is I don't know any more about her than I did 12 whole fucking episodes ago. Yeah, because we saw we made her episode one, I'm pretty I sure. I literally don't know anything about her, and I'm so mad because that means that you could literally cut her from every single episode we have seen up to this point, yep. and it's the same goddamn show. Yep. It doesn't change a thing if Lust is gone. She has added nothing to the plot, so why is she here? Yep. I agree with you 100%. Um, Mugwar. No. We never saw him have the townspeople wrapped around his finger. No. All we really know about him is that he's a wealthy landlord and presumably he's become wealthier and wealthier over time. Yes, he does um, interact with Nash, but he interacts with Nash alone. Well, like, only. Well, Belcio's there. Belcio's yeah. there, but Belcio's not part of things. Yeah. Um, and we see him inside his manor. We never see that him out it. and about town. And also, my big question about Mugwar is why is he willing to let the child, Edward, go execute, kill two other children like mm-hmm. he, he backed out he wasn't opposed to it but also that's like a lot of responsibility to put on a 15 year old because my other big thing here is he doesn't know edward right. he literally just met this kid how does he know that he's not going to go down there and just well, set these kids free that's exactly what he does because right. it's literally what he does how if i were a grown adult person keeping two children in my basement mm-hmm. and another child came in you're and you're not And another child came in and said, hey, I want to kill the two children that you have in your basement. I wouldn't just let him go kill Betty and Johnny down there. I would escort him. Don't give them names. (laughs) I would would go with him to make sure that it actually happened because I don't want him set like releasing them. And then they're going to run the cop, like run to the cops or him botching the job. Like I want it done. Right. Or I don't want him going there at all. Yeah. I'm going to forbid him from going down there. As far as a big bad, Mugwar does very little for me. We get very little time with him. He's hugely incompetent. He's totally bound to the whims of lust, it seems. And even comparing him to the other fat man who had a two-part arc where he was the villain, Father Cornello, he just doesn't hold up at all. Father Cornello is very competent. And maybe he's not super intelligent, but he is capable of operating on his own in a way that Mugwar never is or is never yeah. shown to be. Oh, yeah. Um, so just... just, And that's part of why this arc falls... I, I like this arc to a certain degree, but it's really all because of the Tringhams. Mm. The, the plot and Mugwar do nothing for me, especially Mugwar. He, he is as boring as they come. So let's talk about the Full Metal Alchemist 2003 anime formula. Yes. We've identified it many times in the past. Yep, we've got it. When we finally make merch, it'll be on all the hats and t-shirts. Oh my gosh. ACP VST. 
Alchemy causes problems. Violence solves them. The expanded form of this would read like this. And when we talk about formula, we're talking about a show that has a very, like, regimented process. Um, the example we used last episode, and it's a good example, is Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. every episode is pretty much the same. Ash mm-hmm. meets a new Pokemon. They learn about the new Pokemon. They fight the new Pokemon. Yep. In Full Metal, step one, enter town. This okay. could be the town where Majhal lives. This could be Lior. This could be Akroya. This could be Central. Mm-hmm. This could be uh, wherever they are now, Zenitime. Yeah. Step two, alchemy causes problems. There's some bad alchemist like Siren or Father Cornello or Maj Hall or Mugwar, I guess, or Show Tucker, who is using alchemy to cause problems. Mm-hmm. The boys solve the problems with violence by either beating the crap out of <laughs> the person who's causing problems or straight up fucking murdering them. Yeah. Or at, or at least watching them die through no fault of the boys. As happens today. Um, Siren, though, just goes to jail. Because she's maybe a good person. And step four is you say goodbye to your new friends at the train station. This happens in Maj Hall's episode. This happens in Siren's episode. Even though it's not at a train station, it's her getting loaded into the paddy wagon. Uh, This happens this episode. It's As a formulaic episode, this hits all those boxes. It executes on most of them pretty nice. Well, I guess not. I guess I think the the real saving grace of this is the specifics of the trimmings because we talked about most of the other elements and they don't really make a ton of sense the Mm -hmm. pacing i think works better is particularly as a formula thing yeah uh the climax i guess visually and emotionally is satisfying Mm -hmm. just not logically so oh my point is as, as a formula episode this episode works for me but i don't want a formula show i want full metal alchemist right and speaking of alchemist we have to talk about alchemy, and I think that is our last like big point for this episode slash arc. But there's several sub points to that. Sorry, guys. Yeah. The first thing is, of course, the red stone slash the red water. What is it? It's it's diet philosopher's stone. This is what they tell us: the red stone is made by condensing red water, and it is similar to but less powerful than a philosopher's stone. Where did the red water come from? Did, I don't know. Did, did Na- Nash is said to have discovered it, but in He's a scientific sense, yeah. that is such a vague thing to say. Like, you could either have found it, or you could have discovered it and that you managed to bring it about as a scientific law and put it into words. There's, mm-hmm. there's so much here. It's... I. Well, there's this whole spring and this whole well system fountain and sewer thing that presumably nash made all of that and that's when when he disappeared into the mine that's presumably what he was doing but to your point is there red water in more places does it just run in like pockets underneath the entire country right what again what is it and i and i don't know if speaking japanese would have helped me understand this it wouldn't okay (laughs) thank you for clarifying i'm just like the explanation of what it is, how it's related to alchemy, how it's related to the Philosopher's Stone, is just not made clear at all. Yeah. Um, and if anybody out there has read Land of Sand and <laughs> has more information for us about the Red Stone, please tell us, because it doesn't have its own wiki page, I don't think. Yeah. Um, <sighs> the Philosopher's Stone. 
is the main component of it, as we talked about last episode, is and I think a couple episodes before, is human souls. Mm-hmm. That's the big, presumably the thing that really distinguishes the redstone from the philosopher's stone. I kind of think because when they when they introduce the placenta method, they introduce it because it's faster or better. Mm-hmm. But I think it's possible that because the result of it is a dead baby, that they're getting the human souls from those babies, and the redstone is really a philosopher's stone minus a human soul. Yes, that's a that's a suspicion that I have, and I doubt it'll ever be talked about again. Well, maybe I don't know. Um, who who could who can say? It's very confusing. Is the point they really don't explain what the relation is because Lust wants a philosopher's stone. Yes, she does, and she certainly knows that Mugwar is working on redstone. Yeah. So I have to assume when she says step it up, and when he says use that other method, it's because they now want to start making philosopher's stones. Yeah. But it is never explicit, and in watching both episodes twice, and and even going back today to watch certain parts of this episode to to clarify these exact questions. The answers are not there. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Um, I was also confused because he said, like, how many babies could possibly die in Zenitime in a short period of time? Like, um, how many women can be pregnant at a time? Because I assume every town they go to is very small. I mean, realistically, if we assume, based on, like, the bird's eye shots, that it's got a population of about 3,000 people, then 120 to 150 women could feasibly be pregnant at a single time. If we assume an infant survival rate of like 60 to 70%. If we assume that pretty much all babies live, mm-hmm. um, then we would see maybe 50, 60 women pregnant at a time. Okay. Okay. And I'm fine with that. Because I feel like you only need like 30 babies to die before you're like, something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you also had a question about like the sick people in town. Because in, in the first mm-hmm. episode... We see a bunch of people who are sick and coughing and everybody looks kind of bad. The first episode feels totally different than this episode also. Yeah. Um, in a way that like really stands clear when you think about them side by side. Uh, but we don't know if everybody gets saved. We don't even know if the red water is what's causing people to be sick or if they no. just have shitty lungs from living in a mining town. No, we really don't. Ugh, bullshit. Yeah, they only talk about babies dying, but everybody seems... I, <sighs> You have to answer that question. You can't show me a bunch of people being sick, and you can't have Alphonse and Fletcher talk about it. And mm-hmm. Edward, I think, talks about it with Belcio, and then not tell me at the end if people get better, or do they just stay sick. Yeah. My next point about alchemy from this arc, and really from the whole show so far, I feel like a lot of things are kind of just coming, crashing down with this episode. Yes. Um, alchemy is magic. We, we need... But we know that. We'll, we'll never be able to do it, but we need to stop looking at it as if this alchemy is the same thing as the alchemy that Arakawa wrote. Because they're not. They're totally different. This is just do whatever you want. Because you can you because you can do whatever you want. You can yeah. you can make a big wreath out of a stone obelisk if you want. And yeah. it doesn't really require that much thought. Like, you see all this research and you see all these books and these libraries, but it's like, what's the point? Because it seems like here, if you want to do something, you just have to touch it and it happens. Mm. right yeah and even when edward makes the water hot uh when elicia hughes is being born he doesn't even think about it he just he just accidentally yeah, does it so sometimes you don't even need intent you can and just that, fucking do it that shouldn't be possible right i i don't know i don't know you're asking a lot from me right now i also have an issue with the alchemy gun which know. is the gun that mugwar uses it shoots alchemy yes it does <laughs> It shoots alchemy at the Tringhams. It shoots alchemy at the Edwards. Again, 
this is Arakawa's logic, but a gun should not make you better at alchemy because you would still need to know what you're doing. I'm okay if you want to say, hey, here's this tool that will increase the range of your alchemy. Because I assume yeah. since we're not dealing with Shing at all, we're not going to deal with Alkahestry and people who can actually do long distance transmutations. Right. So if the gun is this show's way of doing that, I'd be fine with it. But it's not. The gun is something that can make a not alchemist an alchemist. Right. But, and that that's annoying to me. Because you should need well. that background. And it's, I think the example we've used it's, before. It's, it's, it's playing guitar versus being a guitarist. Anybody yeah. can learn how to play a guitar, but not everybody's going to be Jimi Hendrix. Exactly. But Edward, also, in this case, is Jimi Hendrix. The way that I look at this alchemy gun is it or should Holland be, Hunt. it's a calculator. An alchemy gun should be like a calculator. I know different, like, if you give somebody a, a T95 calculator, yeah. they can't just do differential calculus. They have to know how to actually, like, what to actually put into the calculator exactly. to make it churn out an answer. That's why I was always frustrated when people were like, you can't use a calculator on this test. I'm like, calculator's not going to make me better at understanding math. Yeah, it's, it's just, just going to make my make answers right. Faster. Yeah. You're telling me that in real life, mathematicians don't use a fucking calculator? Shut up. <laughs> I said Newton didn't. Um, but, but you're right. The alchemy gun should be a calculator. It should make yeah. it easy. If you really want to have it in the first place, it should make it easier to do these things in the way a redstone or philosopher's stone does. Yes, you should still have a basic fundamental understanding of alchemy. Right, and, and Mugwar, like by his phrase... own admission, does not. Yes. Right, and I don't like the idea in the first place that not everybody can pick up alchemy. One of the, one of the main points of Arakawa's alchemy universe is every anybody can do alchemy mm-hmm. and so just it it's so confusing it's really annoying i really don't like it right well i also it's don't like lazy and convenient i don't like even the suggest and i think this is kind of what you're saying already but i don't like even the suggestion that somebody could use alchemy without having to work for it because that makes yeah. everything that edward has done like what are we going to do when we see a villain who is like mugwar and who's not practiced alchemy but who has something like the alchemy gun but better who can just wipe the floor with any alchemist that he comes across without having worked for it. Yeah. Maybe that's like a moral issue that I have personally, but just so uninteresting storytelling wise. Right. To say all these alchemists train for years, they take an exam, but here's somebody who can just do it. So moving on, we got this, uh, I, we also have a lot of this universal transmutation circle pro- cropping up again. Mm-hmm. I hate the universal transmutation You're circle. You're talking about Fletcher's specifically here? Yeah. Where it's yeah. a single transmutation circle that can make a tree grow, make a tree absorb a specific type of water, make a tree explode. And like, I hate these universe or like Maj Hall's universal transmutation circle. Yeah, I which hate does it. flame alchemy. Shut up. I hate it. So, and I kind of, what I'm, what I suspect, and I have no way to prove it, and I don't even think that the people making the show really know, but I kind of feel like maybe in this universe, the transmutation circle is more personally emblematic. Mm. Because I feel like Edwards used the same one more than once to do different things. Yeah, I think so. But then the question, you then you have to ask, well, what about Show Tucker? He has a bunch of transmutation circles in his basement. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't, I don't. And of course we have to talk about Edward. <laughs> Specifically, we have to talk about the wall in the mine that everybody comes up to and they're just like, wait a second. Because we both saw that. I remember we, this was a rough episode to get through. Because yes. there were just so many points where we were like, what? Um, but they all come up to this wall and they all stop. Yeah. Is that the Edward that you know? No. Because the Edward I know would be running down the hallway 
and he would see this wall. He would clap his hands while running, Mm -hmm. hold out his hands, and not even pause for a moment as he just takes the wall down and just keeps on charging. Like, it wouldn't even slow him down. The thing is, this Edward... I feel like I can see... Him in my mind running doing and doing that. the clap alchemy. Yeah, you can. I don't. I don't know if it happens in Brotherhood or not. I like, don't know, but like it's something that is so in line with his character that you can absolutely envision it. And the thing about this Edward is that he's extremely powerful, but he's got no competence. He's got a lot of power behind his swings, but he doesn't know when yeah. to place them. And yeah. he's it's it's manga Edward has so much absolute faith in his abilities. Mm-hmm. He has no hesitation. This Edward, I hate. He's OP, but he's stupid. Right. But he still thinks he's all that. And I, I'm just so over him. He annoys me to no end. We and we've talked about this before too, is like he always he often when he does transmutation, he'll put a little like Edward Elric head on something, or he'll make something just goofier, way over the top. And I think it's 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 something that you'll see you've probably seen it before. When you when you put a child in a classroom and you're teaching them a concept that they understand or they just have a much like a very very strong they start putting a spin aptitude on it. for yes they start putting a spin on it um it's something yeah. i did when i was taking like re- and not i'm not trying to toot my own horn i'm just trying to give an example when i was taking really basic coding classes we'd learn something and i'd be like okay so if i can do that i can probably do this 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 and this and i'd just play with it and have fun with it and it's the same thing that he does here yeah but he doesn't get that leeway here because he has to figure the audience has to watch him figure everything out Yes, and the show also... Well, and sometimes the audience doesn't even get to watch him figure everything out. But, like, the show also can't have him be... Can't be funny and can't have him, Ugh. like, show moments of vulnerability or weakness unless it makes no sense. Um, but the the thing about this, Edward, is his confidence in who he is is so unearned to me mm-hmm. that I'm just annoyed by it when I see it. Whereas the manga, Edward... His confidence is absolutely earned because he yeah. is not just very powerful. He's also very good. Yeah. And so that makes him, when he's like, no, I am the best. I'm like, right. yes, you are little boy. But when, when this says, Edward says, I'm the best, I'm like, no, you're not. Right. When he says, come down here, you third rate fraud. And I'll show you just how outclassed you are. You're like, I believe you. Yeah. I, I don't believe him here. And that, no. that just annoys me. Uh, Let's talk about the rules. We've asked, I think, from the first episode, what are the rules of this show? Um, can I talk? About, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it anyway. One of my favorite shows is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I oh love God. that shit. Um, nope. And what we have to really understand there is the concept we talked about a couple episodes are you ago. Real? Yes. You have two minutes. The concept we talked about a few episodes ago, which was the willing suspension of disbelief, which is how far you're willing to to accept elements of a fictional universe. In the manga, you have to accept that alchemy works. And everything that falls under that. And you have to accept that automail works. And that's really all she asks you to accept. This show asks you to accept a lot more. It asks you to accept that alchemy can be done without equivalent exchange. Even though that's the number one rule. It asks you... I, I'm sure there's more things, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. It's not important. We talked about the rule of funny when we talked about suspension of disbelief. Which is that if, if a certain element is funny, you'll give it a pass. Because it makes you laugh. And there's another rule called the rule of cool. Which is that... If something is fucking awesome, you'll give it a pass. Your, the limit of your suspension of disbelief for a given element is directly proportional to that element's awesomeness, is how the rule of cool is written online. Um, plot armor is a good example, if everybody has a reference for that. So when you watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and you're watching a fight scene, and something just bananas happens, totally out of the blue, a total ass pull, the show asks you at that point, yes, this is out of the blue, yes, this came from fucking nowhere, 
But do you really fucking care? And with JoJo's, no, you don't. Because it's always fucking awesome. And you're always just like, that was fucking sick. And I'm so fucking hype about it. You don't question the logic. It says, do you fucking care? And you say, no, do that again. Do more of it. But this is Full Metal Alchemist. So when they do a total ass poll and they tell you, oh, uh, 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 trees can absorb red water and uh, detoxify it and then they can explode and everything's fine. And they ask you, but do you really like care that we kind of did an ass poll there? Yes, I do. Because this is Full Metal Alchemist. And the thing is, you start every goddamn episode t- mm-hmm. with Alphonse telling me about a rule of alchemy, which means your system has rules. Right. You have advertised it to me as a hard magic system. I, I believe alchemy is magic. It is magic in every single iteration of Full Metal Alchemist, but it's hard magic. And you mm-hmm. have advertised hard magic to me, and you're not fucking delivering on it. Right. Which just makes your magic system stupid. Right. Every show is going to ask you to suspend your disbelief a different amount. JoJo's says, look, if you can't suspend your disbelief, then you really have no business being here at all. And a show like Full Metal, one would expect, should ask relatively little. Yes. Like you said, they have hard magic. But this show asks a lot, and it constantly asks you different things. And to change what what your suspension in this right because it says hey equivalent exchange is a rule but then you see it repeatedly broken sometimes they say oh he broke it sometimes they don't say anything and it just is broken and you have to accept it like when mahal turns a scalpel into a sword or sometimes one of our protagonists will say so and so is flouting equivalent exchange and then you'll see them and every time they do a transmutation they're not and so that tells me that They're, they're i don't know what equivalent exchange is then right they're abusing me as a viewer because they've asked me to accept a certain thing and I've said, okay, fine. But then every time that they do alchemy, they're asking me to accept something different and to create a new limit for myself. Yeah. Um, you can't make gold without a philosopher's stone or a redstone, apparently. But you can make trees absorb red water. You can't make people. But you can make birds grow ten times the size and also pop. But there's no real explanation or no real clear rules for why these things can happen. You can yep. you can harvest placenta and use it as a transmutation. I'm fine with that actually. Like not morally, but like as a scientific <laughs> concept, I'm I'm fine with the idea of using placenta as a material because it's like it's got a very specific nutrient and like compound composition. So, you know, whatever. Oh, I didn't think of it like that. I I can be okay with that. Yeah. I guess. But what is the red water made of? I don't I don't know. Um, and and Somebody out there is going to be like, you guys are really harping on that tree thing. Is it such a big deal? Yes. yes because it is the it is the climax of a two-episode arc. And, and with Full Metal, not that you can see her things coming, but whenever something is concluded, you're, except for one instance, but we won't get into it, um, that might be my personal opinion. Um, when, she, when she says, this is how this arc concludes, this is what they do to, to solve these problems, it always makes sense. There's very, very, very few times in the full metal manga where you see something and you say to yourself that doesn't really make any sense yeah like i said there's really only one time for me um so when you put these trees here and suddenly you're like oh they can absorb red water i guess you have to tell me that you have Mm -hmm. to bring that up beforehand Mm -hmm. it's like the opposite of chekhov's gun well actually it is chekhov's gun 
The yeah. idea of Chekhov's gun is actually not if you put a gun in Act 1, it must go off by Act 3. It's the inverse. The rule of Chekhov, that is what it's popularized as. But the original understanding of Chekhov's gun, the, the very original understanding of it is if it's what irrelevant. Chekhov <laughs> what Chekhov himself wrote is if it's irrelevant to your plot, cut it. But what he sort of filtered that into... If you're going to have a gun go off in Act 3, then you should be planting it in Act 1, mm-hmm. rather than if you plant something in Act 1, you should have it go off in Act 3. It's it's yeah. basically seed, seed your events so that there's actually proper payoff. Right. I, I don't think much of JoJo's in terms of being a well-constructed narrative. It's a fun comic book. Full Metal is supposed to be a well-constructed narrative. Yes. And to not follow these rules and to have these ass pulls mm-hmm. just totally takes away from, from my confidence in you as a writing team. Yeah. And you and I, I'm not going to give you the same allowances that I give a show like One Punch or JoJo's. Yes. Because you haven't earned them. Yes. And, and you haven't asked me to give them to you from the beginning. Mm-hmm. All that to say, this episode kind of blows. And as much as I want to like this arc because of the Tringhams, mechanically, I can't. it's a mess. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a disaster. It's we're we're a really disaster. running out of time. I really thought this was going to be a short episode, and then when we started doing notes, like our takeaway notes, I was like, we're way over. Yeah, we're um, we're long. So long, let's let's long. run through the last two things that we have to talk about. Which first is lessons from this episode, and really from season one as a whole, because technically, well, te- technically there's no seasons, but we're we lose this theme song after the next episode. But I yes. don't think the next episode would be a really good time to talk. I, I'm guessing based on what it is. I don't think it'll be a good time to talk about, like, season wrap-up. ACP, VST, alchemy causes problems, violence solves them. And so far in the show, the destination, finding the Philosopher's Stone, does not seem to be as important as the friends we make along the way. Is our formula. Right. They could do 50 episodes of this. They could do 100 episodes of this. They could do a million episodes of this if they keep following this formula. And it doesn't matter the boys never find the Philosopher's Stone, and this show is just ACP This could just VST. be a One Piece. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not familiar enough with it. but It could I, be a I think, Pokemon. But it I could think be you're the right. new One Piece. Like, yeah, it could have gone on forever. Enter town, fight bad alchemist, leave. Yeah. And that's what they've set up for me so far. Yes. Second thing that we've learned from the show. If it is convenient, do it. Not... If there is a more convenient option, take that one. But literally... If this thing is convenient, do it. Yeah. How does Edward? How do Edward and Alphonse get into the dungeon with the Tringhams alone? It's convenient. No, yeah. Do it. Sick. Um, the third rule, probably the most important rule, is that Alphonse cannot be useful or interesting. I don't even think Alphonse talks this episode. Am I wrong? He does talk. He talks to Elisa on the train platform, and he oh, also sick. asks Edward for the letter. Oh, and he talks in the lemon orchard. But I, like he talks in the lemon orchard. He really gets nothing. He he, you were saying this about lust, but Alphonse could be cut from the show so far. Yeah, and we would, and really nothing would be different. Nothing about their relationship or him as a character has been important at all yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can't think of a single time. I mean, other than stealing the bell and Lior, I really can't think of anything either. It's like he and Everett are just kind of attached at the hip. Yeah, that's kind of funny though, because that arc is like it. the the tightest. To the manga. Yeah. Where she's actually like, hey, here's how these two work separately. And also and also when Alphonse goes through the belly of the train. Now, every single time that yeah. they've done an episode that actually like ties into the manga, 
and is is based on it, Alphonse has shit to do. I think every time that they do something that's not, they just they fuck Alphonse. I guess. I think more accurately, every time Alphonse is used, it's pulling very tightly from the manga. That may be a better way of saying um, it. Mustang could probably also be entirely <laughs> cut. Thinking of it now, I wouldn't complain. Um, um, and this is coming from Mustang's biggest fan. I kind of feel like Hawkeye can be cut from the manga, though. Um, theoretically, yes, but you would have to give away some of her beats to other characters, I think, in order for Mustang's plotline to work. So, But that's not a good enough reason for her to exist separately, right? Why she could be a dead girlfriend and get the same... If she's just... <laughs> no, seriously, if she's just there to motivate... My, She's Let's... not there to motivate Mustang. She's there to have a, like actual beats with him and with other characters. You could, you could. She she does a lot of other things in the manga, but you would have to shuffle it off onto other characters. Edward would have to go to Mustang in order to get the Ishval arc. Um, let's tonight. Let's read the whole manga and determine how to redo Hawkeye's scenes. You're on. All right. Um, okay, but let, let's wrap this up. We have one more thing we got to okay, talk about. You guys have indulged us far too long. Questions. Our running list of questions. Running is, list of questions. Yes. We're just going to bring our highlights in. Number one, why do birds pop? In the second episode, we pan up from Lior and we see about a half dozen birds. They're flying above the town and then they pop. One by one. Why? I why do they pop? Chekhov's gun. <laughs> why did you show this to me if it's not important or won't be answered? I have no faith. It. I have no faith that they'll tell us why birds pop. I'm um, so mad. Lust says that Lior is a decoy and that philosophers, people who have their Google alerts on for philosopher stones will <laughs> gather in Lior and then... And then and, she also here says, yes. Zenitime's time is almost up. What does that yes. mean, bitch? Well, they have to answer that. They have to answer that. They must. Um, what is equivalent exchange? Because Alphonse says every episode that they thought the world worked off that rule. But, but ne- also, but, we've barely, like, barely seen it obeyed in the mm-hmm. first place. It's constantly changing what equivalent exchange actually is. I don't, so even I don't know. know what equivalent exchange is in this. Yeah. So stop telling me about it. Um, <laughs> this is, I can't believe this question's still on this what list. We're never coming back to it. What was the puppet rat balloon noise in Maj Hall's house? In episode what four, was it? we hear this squeaky, scratchy what noise a few times, and we made don't know it. what it is. What is the rat balloon noise? Um... Oh, how have, the, how have their perceptions about equivalent exchange changed exactly? That's related to what is equivalent exchange in the first place. Um, and then, of course, our central dramatic question, the thing that drives our whole narrative, will the boys get their bodies back? Uh, that one, though, I'm that's, pretty that's sure that's like an end game question. question. Right. Well, We're well that one. once that question's answered, why am I still watching? And our question's either going to be yes or no. So... Yeah. So either they will or they won't. Um, the next episode is Full Metal versus Flame. So presumably Edward and Roy Mustang are going to fight. Yes. Um, from the screenshots we saw, and you already know this, but yeah, it's based this. on a non-canon comedic it's based bonus on story. An optional canon omake. It's not written even optional by canon. Arakawa herself. I reject that because at one point Maze is like, "We only have enough pages for a fight that's this long," so <laughs> definitely not canon. Definitely a joke that she wrote because she's very funny. She is and this funny. show isn't, so I'm actually, that's actually a really funny idea. Is just like, take, here's this 100% definitely comedic beat that she wrote. Comedic episode that Let's she wrote. Let's adapt it into an episode. On a show that's never funny. Yep. Oh, boy. So that's what you guys have to look forward to next time. All right, guys. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, or if you want to send us a video of you and your buddies doing the Stang Gang <laughs> Shimmy, 
We only have one more time where we're going to actually see the Stang Gang Shimmy. Remember, yeah. you're not moving very far, but you are moving very quickly. Just watch the theme song if you need a reference. <laughs> you can send that to us at dianeandlangdon.tumblr.com or at our email, dianeandlangdon at gmail.com. We Is will see you all next time. D-Y-A-N-N-E-A-N-D-L-A-N-G-D-O-N at gmail.com? Yes, that is written the way that it is written in the title. Ooh. To make it easy. What if I'm listening in my friend's car and I can't I see the title? I hate you. Goodbye. <laughs>